Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. It's Monday, June 27th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Protests overtook the country once again as the Supreme Court ruled to strike down Roe v. Wade. Pro-abortion advocates were enraged, and anti-abortion advocates cheered the decision. Trigger laws set to be enacted if Roe was struck down took effect in some states and quickly limited women's access in those areas. The focus now turns political, as President Biden called on people to vote in elected officials that would do something about it. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News, joins us for all the fallout and what this decision says about the politicization of the Supreme Court. Next, we'll tell you how the Disney adult became one of the most hated groups on the internet. Everyone knows a Disney adult, someone who loves the parks and spends insane amounts of money on vacations, getting the latest merch, or limited edition pins and Mickey ears. These Disney superfans have been around for a long time, but the term is relatively new, and the anti-Disney adult sentiment really took hold during the pandemic, as fans were mourning the closures of the parks, and online groups were having none of that. EJ Dixon, senior writer at Rolling Stone, joins us for more on the adult Disney fandom. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Tell them what democracy looks like. Show them what democracy looks like. Tell them what democracy looks like. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about the big news from over the weekend. It continues to be all the fallout from the big Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, We knew it was coming after we got that leaked draft opinion, but it still took everyone by storm. Protests all over the country. We saw quite the scene over the weekend. That's right. We saw a lot of emotions on both sides of this issue as a nearly 50-year precedent was struck down by the court on Friday. And as you said, this wasn't a surprise. We saw that leaked opinion. We knew likely that this was going to occur. But I still think the reality setting in uh, evoked these strong emotions on both sides. People who have spent decades campaigning and trying to convince the courts and the Congress to overturn this decision were elated. And people who work on the other side of the issue, really the shock and the, of the reality of this decision setting in. And we saw protests across the country. We saw a real emotional response to what is now a reversal of nearly 50 years of Supreme Court imposed protections for women that that no longer exist. Right. Look what happened. You know, within a weekend's time, 
access for women has significantly dropped. You know, first thing that happened was all these states that have these so-called trigger laws that were going into effect. Now, not all of state, all of the states that have these on the books have activated them, uh, but many of them have. And so there's 13 states that have trigger laws that would immediately ban abortions or maybe take a period of 30 days before it's enacted. There's nine other states that have laws that predate Roe v. Wade, and uh, those can be put back in place. So uh, as I mentioned right away, we've already seen a bunch of providers stop providing the access. That's right. If you look at a map, you'll see much of the deep south uh, from Texas through Georgia have either existing laws, trigger laws, or have passed laws um, expecting the court to make this decision, uh, which ban abortion. Also, a lot of states in the West, um, before you get to the coast, uh, basically in between the mountain range, the heartland, as we sometimes call it, quite a few that have these trigger laws. Um, And you're right, this in some cases was overnight. There were reports of women who were sitting in waiting rooms of abortion clinics who were turned away after the decision came down. Uh, There have been a number of reports over the weekend um, and some of these states would trigger laws that uh, clinics and doctors have stopped working out of fear that um, they will face criminal prosecution because of the immediate shift in the law. And that's what we're seeing as well. These states... I've tried to focus their laws on the doctors, making it a crime for the doctors to uh, perform abortions and not the women in question to receive them. And one of the interesting things that happened out of this, though, is that there was a a number of elected prosecutors that signed a letter basically saying that they're going to refuse to prosecute those that assist, seek or provide abortions. Absolutely. We have prosecutorial discretion in this country. Prosecutors are allowed to opt not to prosecute people in many cases uh, for things that might be questionable, that might be um, unsure. And we're also going to see a number of top state prosecutors in some of these states up for election uh, this fall, places like Michigan, where there is a trigger law. um, And the governor is a Democrat. The legislature are Republicans, unlikely to repeal this law. They're currently trying to fight it in court. But Um, Their state attorney general is elected and the candidates are out talking about this, saying uh, on one side or the other whether they would prosecute people based on this trigger law. So uh, we're definitely seeing this arise as a new political issue in some of these races. Right away, President Biden, Democrats started making this a midterm issue. Biden was uh, speaking to the public and he said Roe is on the ballot. Right away, they're trying to energize uh, Democrats, I mean, anybody really that is against these, this type of legislation to speak with their votes, you know, and put people in elected office that um, would either make laws to overturn this or, or, you know, whatever we can do that. I mean, really, that might be one of the only recourses they have right, right now. That is the only recourse. I mean, there is no sign that the court would have any interest in reversing this or changing uh, their decision. It seems like to be pretty set. And so the only way to ensure women have access to this uh, medical care is to enact laws. And so that means on a state level, electing legislators and governors who will do so. Um, and then on a federal level, we saw within hours, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, saying he would support a federal nationwide ban on abortions after 15 15 weeks. And I think we're going to hear Democrats pointing to this a lot. You know, the Supreme Court op- always operates kind of in its in its own bubble. It's its own entity, really. But a lot of people have pointed to polarization. Obviously, we know the conservative split on the court. Uh, what do we make of that after this type of decision? Because uh, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas also called into question other rights that could be looked at again, too. 
I think we saw a real tell in how the vote went down. Uh, it was six to three to uphold the Mississippi law that was at question, but it was five to four to overturn Roe v. Wade. And it was Chief Justice Roberts that went with upholding the Mississippi law, but said he didn't want to overturn Roe v. Wade. And he has spoken at length about the politicization of the court and the importance of precedent and stability in the law. And so, yes, there are five justices, I think, who would be inclined to reverse something uh, known as substantive due process. And it's the legal principle of which we got um, Oberfell, the same-sex marriage decision, in which we got some cases that have to do with birth control and some other basic rights. And so I think that there is that possibility that those other five would be willing to reconsider those. But that's a question for a future court. And these decisions could very easily flow and cause those other cases to be reexamined. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. And a lot of people that rub them around the way, they saw that as a very entitled, tone-deaf view to take while there was all the suffering going on. And they were like, oh, look at these Disney adults. All they care about is like, their ability to get a Mickey pretzel instead of caring about, you know, the millions of people who are on ventilators across the country. Joining us now is EJ Dixon, senior writer at Rolling Stone. Thanks for joining us, EJ. Thank you so much for having me. Well, wanted to talk about a uh, pretty fun article you wrote up, how Disney adults became the most hated group on the internet. Just for some frame of reference, uh, I am grew up in Southern California all my life. Disneyland is in my backyard. I, I loved going to Disneyland as a kid, and uh, it always holds a special place in my heart. You know, there's a lot of good memories there. But recently, there was a post on Reddit, Am I the A-Hole Forum, that went very viral. It was about a uh, written by a bride who was having a Disney wedding, and instead of paying the money to cater the event and have you know a bunch of food for the guests, they opted to get a an appearance from Mickey and Minnie Mouse to appear at their wedding, and they were talking about it. And as I mentioned, the post went viral. Everybody got really mad. It's like, how could you do this and you know not treat your guests to food and whatnot? It just made for this whole very funny thing, and it brought into question. 
Disney adults, you know, these adults who just love Disney so much and the whole conversation surrounding it. So, EJ, as we get started, uh, first give us a definition of what a Disney adult is. I mean, in theory, it's any adult who loves Disney, right? right? But a Disney adult is an adult who really, really, really loves Disney to the degree that their entire social media presence revolves around Disney. They go to the parks all the time. Whenever the merch rolls out, they're the first ones in line to buy the limited edition merch. It's somebody who sort of lives and breathes Disney and the company aesthetic. Right. I mean, I think we all know that type of person. For your article, I think you did uh, say you qualify yourself as a Disney adult, too? I guess technically, yeah. A big part of the trip, which I talk about in the piece, is that a lot of Disney adults are sort of classified as, like, childless millennials, because that was a story that went viral in 2019. And, And I have a child, like, so I don't know if I technically qualify as, like, the purest version of the Disney adults, but I mean, everything else about it. Yeah, I, I kind of check all the boxes. <laughs> all right, so let's get a little history, because like I said, you know, it's pretty fun. We all know these people. There's also the Disney gangs, which I think are pretty fascinating. You know, these are whole groups of people who, you know, get their leather jackets and patches and, you know, they name themselves. And there's, that's a whole oh, the social other subset. Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other subset. But where did we kind of start seeing the origins of what could be described as the Disney adult. It has to do uh, with Tumblr. It has to do with something called Disney bounding, you know, wearing colors of certain characters and whatnot. How did this all get started? The actual phrase is a relatively new invention, but people were making fun of adults who love Disney for decades. I was talking to a professor who told me that a lot of the coverage when Disney started unveiling like its wedding program and its honeymoon program of these new programs was basically just like skewering adults. And this was in the 90s. This was way back in the 90s. Who would come to the parts and being like, well, why would anybody want to get married next to a cartoon mouse? So the actual excoriation of Disney adults has existed long before the phrase Disney adult actually existed. But what we think of as Disney adults, sort of like the very earnest millennials espousing their love for Disney via like Cheshire Cat gifts. That aesthetic was sort of cemented on Tumblr in the early 2010s, which is where a lot of fandoms on the internet come from. And the phrase Disney adult actually started catching on in 2020, like in the midst of the pandemic, pretty much, which is ironic because the parks were closed during the pandemic, right? Like you wouldn't think that that would be a time where, the hatred, you know, the, the discourse around the Disney adults would be so high. But it was also a time when a lot of people who really love the parks were advocating for the parks to reopen sort of in the midst of this pandemic that was taking a lot of people's lives and it was causing tumult, you know, throughout the country. And a lot of people that rubbed them around the way, they saw that as a very entitled tone deaf right. view to take while there was all the suffering going on. And they were like, oh, look at these Disney adults. All they care about is like, their ability to get a Mickey pretzel instead of caring about, you know, the millions of people who are on ventilators across the country. So that's kind of really where the meme began in earnest. Uh, adults aren't allowed to wear costumes at the parks, right? They don't want to confuse them for the some of the actors and whatnot. But, exactly. But what yeah. people were doing is this term called Disney bounding, where they're kind of an informal cosplay. They'll take the colors of a Cinderella and work that into their outfit for the day. And as you mentioned, right, the, this is all kind of a whole fandom thing. This is where that started growing and the pictures started going and, and it kind of formed into what uh, later the term became a uh, Disney adult. 
Yeah, it wasn't explicitly linked to like the meme Disney adult, and it wasn't exclusive to like adult Disney, like Disney fans or adult Disney fans per se. But it was one of the first activities that really brought to light just how hardcore grown-up Disney fans are. Because when most people think of Disney fans, they think of little kids, right? Or they think of families who are going to their parks with little kids. And yet here was this whole subculture on Tumblr of people dressing as Tinkerbell or dressing as Ursula or dressing as Maleficent, but doing it in a very subtle way so as to avoid the wrath of Disney security. So I think I think people found that kind of subversion very funny and also a little bit ridiculous on its face. Like these are the lengths that adult Disney fans go to to express their fandom. And that's perfect uh, leading into this next part, the cringe factor. So looking into this concept of the Disney adult, you spoke to a lot of people, academics, internet culture, fandom experts, just to kind of get a sense of how it all started and what it's become and, and why people, why they are the subject of so much ire on the internet. But in a lot of the people that you spoke to, you said that the word cringe came up so many times. So what, what does that mean? What, what are we looking at there? A cringe is a word that has been applied very liberally across the spectrum by Zoomers to millennials in particular, which I think is a big part of what's going on here that I didn't talk about at length in the article. But there's this whole ongoing meme. It's like sort of tongue in cheek, sort of not that Zoomers are very embarrassed by what they see as like over earnestness on behalf of millennials. Just like these very these outward expressions of like untrammeled emotion over what are essentially corporate totems, right? You know, they, they, they like to make fun of millennials' love of Harry Potter a lot, for instance. And I think that Disney adults are kind of the culmination of that, of Gen Z's sort of disgust with millennials' over-earnestness, and cringe is kind of the first word <laughs> that they use to malign that. And then so... Uh, something very embarrassing, something very right. earnest, something very cloying. Yeah, exactly. And then so couple that with, uh, you know, why there's a lot of anger out there. When we talk about a lot of these things, it's okay to be a fan of things and whatnot, but there's a lot of money associated with this. And really to kind of be one of these, you know, hardcore Disney adults, as you mentioned, right, buy all the merch when it comes out, go on vacation to the various parks. I mean, at minimum, these can be thousands of dollars. There's this money associated with it and how much people have to spend to be considered in the top tiers of these fandoms, let's say. Yeah, I spoke to a lot of people who, and a lot of people criticize the fandom for this reason. You know, it tends to skew, at least outwardly, very white, very upper middle class, because there's a self-selecting factor here, right? Like, the park tickets cost hundreds of dollars, you know, resort, like, trip packages cost upwards of thousands of dollars. Like, you can only really enjoy the park to the extent that Disney adults do, if you have the economic capital to do so. And I think that's a really fair criticism. It's also a lot of people are very uncomfortable with the fact that Mickey Mouse is sort of this totem of this giant media conglomerate and this multi-billion dollar brand. And, And I think, you know, that's a very fair criticism too, because obviously Disney is a multi-billion dollar conglomerate and has done a lot of questionably ethical things that, you know, we don't have to discuss at land here, but are very easy to research and look into. So I, I think that's a fair criticism. But at the same time, I mean, pretty much any fandom is a capitalistic enterprise, right? I mean, sure. you look at people who are going to Star Trek conventions. It's a lot of time, energy, and money that goes to the costumes and conventions and all of that. And so then uh, speaking to 
other, uh, you know, Disney adults and, and people that are really, really into this. Uh, you know, what do they say about reactions to all of this? You know, for a lot of them, you know, they say, hey, I have so many memories of Disney and it just really brings me a lot of pleasure. It is an escape. It's this fantasy escape that I choose to live in. And even for them, there's like tears. There's like levels to it saying, well, you know, I'm not as bad as, as certain of these people that are doing this and whatnot. So even for them, there's a lot of hesitance to like full out uh, declare yourself a fan, a Disney adult and all that. Pretty much every Disney adult I spoke to, like, freely self-identified as, as a Disney adult, but was like very embarrassed to do so. I would sort of place myself in that category. And it's right. because there are a lot of people in the fandom who take it too far. And, you know, there are people like that. You know, everybody was very quick to distance themselves from the person who wrote the uh, Reddit. Am I the asshole post, you know, saying, oh, well, this is like terrible behavior. Like, I would never do this. I would never be a bride who would refuse to feed my guests at the expensive like hiring mickey or minnie but at the same time everybody acknowledged that there is a streak of entitlement that runs within the fandom there's this idea that everybody is pursuing their own individual fantasy their own individual like idealized experience of what they think the park should be or what they think disney should be and that anybody who gets in the way of that is sort of changing that or compromising that like that's an undeniable aspect of the fandom so i think And a lot of Disney adults who are, you know, at the very least critical of the company, and there, and there are some that aren't, but most people are. They have enough perspective to see that there is something a little bit cringe about this. There is something a little bit embarrassing about this. But ultimately, what it comes down to for them is, like, who cares? You know, is, is this hurting anybody? Like, the world is really hard. Like, if, if I can go to the parks for a day and ride on Jungle Cruise and have a Dole Whip and forget, like, all the bills I have to pay and all the stressors of everyday life, then, like, how does this harm anybody? And ultimately, I think that that's true. EJ Dixon, senior writer at Rolling Stone, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.